Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. We've got Belgium going up against France. And uh, as part of Belgium going up against France, one side of the equation in the World Cup, many of you will be watching 2 o'clock Eastern this uh, afternoon on Fox, I decided to have Danny G put together a Belgium-France quiz. And I don't know any of the rules so far, <laughs> Danny G. So come in. like We do. We sometimes yeah. do these quizzes. What are the rules of this game of, uh, of the, these quizzes? Good morning. Yeah, so I put together this game for you. It's called France or Belgium. So there's eight questions prepared, and you're actually going to have a 50-50 chance of getting each one correct. And so you're telling me a fact, of, yes. like, is this history? Is this, so, like, what's, it, how yeah, would you classify the questions? It's fun facts about both countries. And I just have to tell you whether it's coming from France or from Belgium. Exactly. All right. Do we have any music yep. for this uh, this contest? All right. Roberto, cue the music. Here we go. All right. What do you set the over-under at here for <laughs> I, I knew you this. were going to ask that. I'm going to say, I'm thinking you'll get half right. So I'm saying you'll get four out of the eight. All right. Here we go. All right. You can play go. along as you uh, begin your morning across the country here. You can see how you're going to do as well. It's France versus Belgium yep. trivia. Okay. France or Belgium. Based on a poem from 1533, it's thought that the sport of cricket was actually first created here, not Britain. 1533. Yep. I'm not even sure. I know nothing about Belgian history. So I assume that Belgium was a country in 1533, but I also feel like Belgium could have been like one of these countries that was a municipality, you know, like that was a, they had a king, but they didn't really have like, I don't, I'm not even, I've been to Belgium. I'm not even really that sure where Belgium is. I think it's on the border of France. But I think it might not have been a country in 1533. So I'm going to go with France. First one incorrect. It's not good. Unfortunately. Do we know when Belgium became a country? No, I'll look that up for you right now. But in this poem, Belgium was referred to as the king of cricket. So um, a lot of people, a lot of folks think that Britain actually learned the game from Belgium. All right, next Intriguing. one. Next That's one not here. a good start. This I'm also curious whether or not I'm totally wrong and Belgium has been a country for like 2,000 years. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that they were well-established there uh, prior to what you were thinking. All right, here we go, the second one. This country pays the third highest taxes in Europe. I have no idea. The third highest? Third highest in Europe. See, I would think like Switzerland or Sweden might be because I can't tell the difference between those countries. I would think they might pay the highest. Now, it's a little tricky because both countries are close to each other yeah, in, the, in the tax ranking. 
I know that Macron, or however you pronounce his name, the new president of France, has been trying to reduce the French tax uh, impact. And, you know, that they've been having all the strikes in their mm-hmm. uh, in their union employees and everything else. I'm going to go, man. So what was the first answer? The first answer was Belgium. I'm going to think that this is totally psychological. <laughs> I don't think you would go double Belgiums to start. So I'm going to go France here. Well, that's not bad. You're correct. Um, although don't think that for the whole game because I, I kind of thought you would be thinking that way. So... I'm not thinking it that way. I'm just saying you would. I don't think you would have started with double Belgiums or double France out of the gate because I think you'd be trying to balance it out. So uh, that that was entirely a guess based on that uh, yeah, psychological France, study. There, France is third. Belgium is fourth. You could really screw me up. It's like remember back when you used to take uh, multiple choice tests and you didn't know for sure yep. um, what the answer was. Remember those C, Santrons? C, you're sitting there. C, C. But if you looked at it, like every now and then I'd go back and I'd look and I'd be like, would there really be eight trues in a row? Would there really be nine falses in a row? One of these has got to be different. You'd like psych yourself out and go back and erase one of them. Same thing with when you had to pick like A, B, C, D, or E. If you look at your Scantron and you got like eight Ds in a row, you're like, oh man, somewhere in here I screwed yeah, up. Like, there's, there's no way gotta, you're going. There's got to be a pattern to this, right? Yeah, there's got the <laughs> pattern. Maybe not, but you're just not going to end up with that many in a row that are like you could have really. If you're a teacher right now and you're listening, if you ever gave a test and every answer was true or every answer was false, it takes big brass balls to be willing to go with like an entire test of trues or an <laughs> entire test of falses or. To just like go five, like if you set a pattern, you have yeah. everybody psyched out. I should have just did all Belgium. That would have been yeah, awesome. Yeah, that, that would have been a really bold move. <laughs> all right, here we go. Number three. This country has produced a number of world-renowned inventions, such as the world's first hairdryer in 1888. The, the world's first hairdryer in 1888 is really, I would have gone a lot later if I had right? to predict that because I, they don't have electricity in 1888. So how would you like have done the hairdryer without electricity? I'm, I'm actually kind of fascinated by that. Uh, I'm going to go with France because France is kind of known for cosmetics, for perfumeries, for you know, kind of the mm-hmm. beauty industry in general. I'm going France. Also known, known for the first untethered air balloon, in 1783 and also the first tethoscope in 1816 you are correct france boom that's actually the first one that i've been confident in did we find out what year belgium became a country yet uh roberto just looked it up i believe roberto what do you got yeah 1830 so october 4th 1830 so prior to that my argument was actually pretty pretty good here then yeah, well, the belt declared October fourth, eighteen thirty. So uh, Re- recognize uh, April April nineteenth, eighteen thirty nine. So when I said I didn't think Belgium existed in fifteen thirty three, I mean that was a pretty good uh, that's pretty good knowledge on my part. Yeah, well, it existed. Obviously, it just wasn't an official territory yet. So. Yeah. So I don't even know if I could be considered wrong in question one because when <laughs> oh, Belgium wrong. didn't even <laughs> exist when you're telling me that it was Belgium. Well, in the poem, it says Belgium is the king of cricket. So obviously, people called it Belgium even before it was declared. I don't know about that. All right, here we go. Number four. You're still two and one, by the way, so quit your whining. All right. They were the world's second country to legalize same-sex marriage in 2003. 2003, the world's second country to legalize gay marriage. What was the first country is actually an intriguing question. I bet it was Switzerland or Sweden. I bet it was one of those two. Uh, do we know the first country? Yeah, I'm not going to give it to you, though. Oh, is it may- maybe that one of the two of these? Uh, well, that's... No, no, is- no, 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 it's not, but... I'm uh, not. Okay. I mean, I'm thinking it had to be a European country that was the first country to uh, allow gay marriage. Uh, I am going to go with Belgium here because I think if France had done it, a lot more people would have noticed, and I don't remember France doing it. Ah, you sniffed that one out. Correct. Belgium. What was the first country you legalized? One. Uh, let me go back to that here. I'll, cir- I'll circle back. All I- right. I have that well, in the notes. Okay, here we go. Question number five. Doing pretty good so far. Better than I thought. This was the first country to outlaw supermarkets from throwing away or destroying unsold food. Th- um, that seems like a French. Like, so here's my thought process. I have been to France. I think I've been to Belgium, but it was just like on one of those Euro trains where you get off and you're only in Belgium for a very short amount of time. I'm not sure that I could point to Belgium on the map. 
But <laughs> France is like the king of protests. Every time I've ever been to France, there are people like protesting, striking, walking around with like big, big signs, you know, like angry. So I think this is the kind of thing that people in France would get triggered about and would protest. So I'm going to go France. Since 2016, shops in France must donate leftovers to food banks and charities. You are correct. And by the way, I circled back here. Netherlands was the first country in the world okay. to legalize same-sex marriage. I can see that. So what am I, four and one? Yeah. Five and one? Four and this one. This is what I would call a dominant performance. <laughs> All right, you're making up for the last uh, trivia game we did with you where I think you only got one correct. I don't remember that. <laughs> I bet you don't. All right, here we go. This country is the world's leading exporter of billiard balls. Uh, billiard balls, meaning pool. I'm going to go with Belgium because, again, again, using my knowledge here, I think if I if France had been insanely into pool, I would have seen a lot more pool shops and a lot more of the culture being embracing like pool halls and stuff like that. I've been to France. I've never seen that kind of lifestyle. I'm going Belgium. Clay, you are truly a pale European. You're correct. Belgium, almost 80% of the world's billiard balls are made by Saluk AC in Belgium, established in 1923. They have their own chemical plant, which makes the resin that gives the, the balls their high gloss finish. That's awesome. I haven't played pool in a while. We need. I need to get a pool table for the house, get the boys started in pool. It's pretty awesome to be good at pool. You know, because it's one of those things that people don't do very often, but if you suddenly, like, see somebody and they just start dominating at pool, you're like, man, how's, how's this guy so good? That'd be a nice little skill to just have in the back pocket someday. Yeah, at the bar, next thing you know, you're just whipping everybody's ass. Plus, you got a <laughs> pool cue in your hand. Nobody's stepping to you. <laughs> All right, here we go. Final one. You've only lost one, the first one. Am I six You only one? lost one, yeah. Here we go. Europe's first skyscraper was built here. Well, first of all, what is the definition of a skyscraper? Like, how tall do you have to be to be considered a, a skyscraper? Uh, I'll say 25 floors and higher. The reason why I ask is last summer, maybe even about this date, I was at the Eiffel Tower. And obviously, as you're at the top of the Eiffel Tower and you're scanning out across the country, you can see, like, all of the different size of the buildings. I'm going to go France here, and the reason why I'm going to go France is because the French economy is more, I am assuming back, and first of all, I'm guessing this was like 1880 to 1890, and I'm thinking that the French economy was going to be much more advanced than the Belgium economy, and in general, building a skyscraper is an expensive undertaking, and so the country that was going to undertake such a thing would be tend to be more wealthy than not, and therefore, I'm going to go with France. Wrong. Ah. Europe's first skyscraper was built in Belgium. The Torringenbau, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, in 1928 was 28 floors. Yeah, I don't know what the technical definition of skyscraper is. That's kind of a curious question in general. And by the way, that's the kind of word that you got used to using. But what an amazing idea to come up with that word it was. Like when you, you ever hear a word and you go back and you think, man, that was a, the reason why that became a cliche was because it's such an amazing way to describe something. For yeah. instance, star. Like we say, oh, that person is a star. Think about the first time the word star was used to describe a person. You're like, oh, it's a bright, shining thing in the sky. It stands out compared to everybody else. And it's such a remarkable idea to th describe someone as a star that it just takes off. Same thing with skyscraper. Like, what an incredible phrase that is to think about being on the ground, looking up at the sky, and you're like, my God, that building is so tall, it's scraping the sky. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's pretty thoughts. good. By the yeah. way, that was only seven. There's one last quick one here. So this country's men are the second tallest in the world. Um, I would go in general. Well, first of all, I've been to France, and this is where I'm going to use my own bit of knowledge. There is no way on the planet, no way under the sun, the moon, or the stars that French men are considered tall because I have been to France, and I am six foot, and I was like a giant there. wasn't the equivalent of going to Japan or something like that, which I would imagine I feel even more like a giant. Uh, but uh, so Belgian men have to be taller than French men. So I'm going Belgium. Belgium men average five feet, 11 inches, 
Only Dutch men are taller than Belgium men who average 5 feet 11.65 inches. You are correct, Belgium. So you finish 6 and 2. That's a pretty solid performance. Be nice. That's better. Thank you. Now, A.A. Ron, where are you? Where is A.A. Ron right now? No A.A. Ron, huh? Well, you better be sick, dead, or mute, A.A. Ron. Here. Oh, man. Why didn't you answer me the first time I said it, huh? Huh? I'm just, you know, I'm just asking, you know, I said it like four times, so why didn't you say it the first time I said A.A. Ron? Because it's pronounced Aaron? Son of a <laughs> You done messed up, A.A. Ron! Now take your ass on down to Osag Hennessy's office right now and tell him exactly what you did! Who? Osag Hennessy! Principal O'Shaughnessy? <laughs> That is Guy and Peele. Had to be what, like it was like for Asia. A apostrophe J-A every day in school. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We bring in now Alex Marvez. Uh, Alex, uh if I gave you the name, do we have Alex here? Is he here yeah, with us? Why not? Yeah, Alex. If I gave you the name A apostrophe J A, how would you pronounce that if you were a substitute teacher at school? Aja. Yeah. Yep. How long would it take you to get to Asia? Um. Well, let's see. I'm a big Steely Dan fan, so <laughs> I would probably be able to get to that maybe one step aja to asia that would probably be it but yeah aja that i mean as you know their their greatest their tour de force performance for steely dan was that album uh, is that AJA. the name of the album aja yes oh wow and it's pronounced what it, it's pronounced it's pronounced asia on that on the steely down so maybe her family yeah, track, is just track, huge track number two asia what are the, what are the odds that her family are just huge steely dan fans and they were paying homage to steely dan Probably very little. <laughs> I don't know. I don't not. I'm not a huge music guy, so I, I did not know that. We're talking to Alex Marvez. That's why we bring him in because he's an expert when it comes to uh, pronunciations. Um, all right, NFL. Uh, I, I I am curious. And I, I know we've said this for a couple of weeks now, but I feel as if the NFL has just gone underground. I mean, we're two weeks away, r- roughly, right now. I mean, easily, I think, from the NFL training camps beginning. And other than the Anthem story, which came out in May, and also other than the Jameis Winston, kind of Jerry Richardson saga stories, there really hasn't been anything that's happened very much since the NFL draft. What am I missing here, uh, or do you agree with me that the NFL has kind of gone underground? It's been quiet, and you know, I don't know how much of that is by their own volition, so to speak, right? I mean, you have the Jameis Winston stuff come out, and, and the NFL doesn't issue very much of a statement at all, you know, and in terms of that, there, there's no, you know, we have no background as to why this decision was made. Why is it three games? You know, they, they didn't even bother with that, so this is a story that's going to linger now for the rest of the off season. but, you know, even, and listen, and, and trust me, the NFL tries to get in the headlines, right? you got a uh, general manager getting arrested on a DUI on July 4th. That's something that generates a little bit of buzz. Uh, you know, Tom Brady's back in minicamp. We have that situation. We still have some unsigned players as far as the franchise tag goes. I think people are burnt out on Colin Kaepernick unless there is something new provided as far as this, you know, collusion claim goes. I just think people are just, they understand what the situation is at this point. There, there's not, you're not hearing the same clamoring that you did last year. People saying that they're not going to watch the NFL because Colin Kaepernick isn't playing, etc. It's just a dead year has passed and we just have fatigue as a society when it comes to paying attention to anything for more than five minutes. So what was the question? No, I kid. But the point is, you're right. It, it is a little bit of a downtime for the league, but trust me, it's going to start picking up momentum really quick. You're going to see this franchise tag situation with Le'Veon Bell. Everyone wondering what's going to happen with him. Training camp start in less than three weeks, and then we're off and running with the league. And then it takes care of itself. And for the NFL, to be honest, so far so good this offseason. I mean, they've only gotten scorched uh, a little bit by the president. It's going to be something that is going to continue throughout the offseason or through the, throughout the regular season. That's just how it's going to be. Anytime someone misses uh, a chance to come out for the national anthem and the way it's handled, that's going to be brought up by the president. 
president, so we'll get some fatigue on that. But other than that, I think we're just waiting for the games, man. <laughs> That's really the big thing. And to get a lot of injured players back out on the field, you know, from Aaron Rodgers to J.J. Watt to Deshaun Watson, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, I mean, so many players, key players in this league, missed time last season, hoping that that isn't the case coming up this year. All right, you mentioned this a little bit. There are franchise tag players that have not been franchised yet, or they may get contract extensions, long-term deals. I'm going to name four guys. You tell me what you think is going to happen with them. Demarcus Lawrence, Ziggy Ansah, LaMarcus Joyner, and Le'Veon Bell. What happens in those cases in your mind right now? The, I think I think Ziggy is going to be just playing on his one-year contract. I'm not sure how much they really want to commit up in Detroit to investing a huge amount of money in a, in a pass-rushing defensive end. And, and talking to some folks around the league, there has been some thought that, that the system has changed, that it used to be you had to have outside pressure. You know, you had to have a double-digit sack guy on the outside that would dictate coverages, and you go after things that way. Well, with, with quarterbacks getting rid of the football so quickly right now, the position for some teams – isn't what it once was, and I'm going to give you a perfect example of that. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, they figure that they can generate pass rush on the outside with younger, cheaper players, but made their big investment on interior pass rushers, guys who are going to come up, shoot through the A-gaps, and, and be able, or even a B-gap, and be able to affect the quarterback coming up the middle, because what's happened now, QBs are getting rid of the football so quickly that by the time an edge rusher gets around the bend, you know, playing a left tackle, the ball is usually gone. So that's why you see a Robert Quinn traded from the Rams to the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are still playing a wide nine, and, and they believe that you know it's, it's a pivotal thing for them, not for a lot of other teams. I also look at the history of Detroit here with Bob Quinn, uh, Lions general manager, came up in the Bill Belichick school of you know not paying huge amount of money for edge rushers. He never really did, and the times that he did, it blew up in his face, a la Nadelius Thomas or a Roosevelt Colvin, uh, you know that type of, of investment. He just they just don't believe in that in New England. Well, I'm not sure if Bob Quinn does, so I don't think Ziggy Ansah gets done. I don't think Lamarcus Joyner gets done with the Rams. They've got to spend their shekels on Aaron Donald, and they've just got a top-heavy type of, of team up top with Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, upcoming contract extensions for them. So look for Joyner to play on the, on the franchise tag for one season there. The two biggies, I think there's a better shot at Demarcus Lawrence getting done than Le'Veon Bell. You know, the Cowboys got one of their their guys done, and Zach Martin got his big money contract earlier uh, this offseason. And that is because they've actually lowered his base salary. Because of that, there is now ample room to be able to get Demarcus Lawrence's deal done, but it ain't going to be cheap. And that is a defense, by the way, where it really does behoove you to have a nice outside pass rusher. I mean, look at what's happened in Tampa Bay. They haven't had a great end. They play that type of defense, and it really they've been you know near last in the NFL in sacks. So that's why I think that there's a real legitimate shot at getting Demarcus Lawrence done, although it's going to cost you a lot of money. I mean, it's the same agent representing him who represented Olivier Vernon who broke the bank a few years ago and then of course we get to Le'Veon Bell and the you know Steelers have made multi-year offers but Le'Veon believes that he's a 16 million dollar a year running back receiver that he has completely changed the game that there's never been another Le'Veon Bell before in the NFL who can run and catch passes like he does and he's an awfully good player but the Steelers have their line that they've drawn in the sand the problem for Pittsburgh is you have no guarantees that anything is better for you in 2019 at running back you know, you know this guy, you understand his injury history, you understand, you know, his what he can give you on the field, how he knows this offense, but, you know, are you guaranteed next year of making the right draft choice or signing the right free agents to replace Le'Veon Bell if you let him go? That's why I, I still give him a puncher's chance of signing him, but I think Le'Veon's financial demands are just too much, and that's why I think he's going to end up hitting free agency next year, and some team is going to sign him for what the type of money that he wants because the money is now monopoly money in the NFL. So many teams have room under the cap that one of them, I believe, would spend exorbitantly on Le'Veon Bell. So what kind of salary would he get? you think this ultimately he gets franchised, uh, or how does this resolve itself with the Steelers? Le'Veon's got had been given the franchise tag twice, so I think this will be it you know, for him. And by the way, these contracts, just to put in perspective for our listeners, uh, it's going to be, by I believe, 4 p.m. next Monday, I believe, is a franchise tag, tag deadline day. And the Steelers, they didn't have talks with Le'Veon earlier this offseason. He is looking for about $16 million a year. And again, if he's out there in the open market and your team, maybe even a desperate, desperate general manager who has a lot of money left and doesn't want to leave it behind for somebody else to spend if you get fired at the end of the season, this is the type of signing that you make because Le'Veon is that, is that type of impact player. You know, you might spend short term or you might guarantee money, more money than what the Pittsburgh Steelers are willing to offer Le'Veon Bell. It's just a strange thing because 
Le'Veon Bell is driving the marketplace. There's no other running back that's demanding nearly the type of cash as Le'Veon Bell. In fact, Clay, here's a stat that will surprise you a little bit. The highest-paid free agent running back in the NFL this offseason was Jarek McKinnon of the Minnesota Vikings. And the biggest thing that Jarek has been known for, I mean, he's a good player in the NFL, but the biggest thing was beating my Florida Gators without having to pass the football as quarterback at Georgia Southern back in 2011. Oh, I remember that. Um, So, Le'Veon, now in general, getting three straight franchise contracts is a lot of money, right? I understand that your fear is you get injured and you never make the money that you would otherwise have earned. But given the fact that he has now made two straight years, you're saying, under the franchise tag, and he would theoretically get a third straight year, he almost gets the Kirk Cousins benefit, right? Where he gets the big money guaranteed at his position, which, granted, the, the dollar figure for running backs is lower than he would like. You know, what, what is the, the latest franchise thing? You get the average of the top four highest paid? Yeah, five highest paid. He's at $14.5 million on a, on a cap hit. And if you were to franchise him again another year – you add 120% of that $14.5 yeah. million ends up uh, with your tag there. And then, by the way, too, his agent would file a grievance saying that the collective bargaining agreement doesn't allow you to franchise tag him for three straight years, so you're going to have a debate about that and then see where that goes. It's a fascinating story in general. Uh, another story that did happen, the NFL allowed the Carolina Panthers sell to go through, I think, in the neighborhood of $2.3 billion paid. Jerry Richardson sells the team. I think they fined him like $2 million on the way out, which uh, if you put it as a proportion of the amount that, he's, that, he, uh, that he sold the team for is kind of like a parking ticket, honestly. I mean, relative to the percentage of $2 million relative to $2.3 billion that he sold for. Uh, what do you think happened here? Would Jerry Richardson have sold the team if this story never goes public? Was he planning on doing so uh, otherwise? And what does this tell us about kind of the trajectory of NFL franchise values in general? Um, Clay, this one was a little bit of an anomaly. Jerry Richardson, you know, he had falling out with his heirs. You know, his sons used to work for the team. They no longer do. And I think that the franchise was going to be sold upon his passing. Um, That being said, it got very accelerated for him to put this team on the market. I've been told by someone who would know, who talked to someone who would know. Okay, so I'm going to phrase it like that. But it is basically that $700 million to $750 million were left on the table by Jerry Richardson because he had to sell the franchise so quickly. He had to get it off his hands because the NFL was going to go into all of, a much deeper dive into all of the things, the, sh- the shenanigans going on inside that organization. Jerry Richardson telling female employees to wear certain types of jeans, giving them foot massages, neck massages, all these unwelcome advances by lecherous, creepy, 80-something-year-old Jerry Richardson. Uh, you know, they were, he was going to be in a lot of trouble, so he had to move as quickly as he could to get this team sold, and thus you had David Tepper, who was in the right place, right time, had the money available, you know, wanted to get involved in the league, had the, had the uh, Rooney family seal of approval as a Pittsburgh Steelers minority owner, so Tepper comes in, has the cash to be able to not only buy the team, but he's also buying out all the limited partners as well, because he has some grandiose visions for the city of Charlotte as far as expansion in sports. He's talking about a major league soccer franchise potentially coming in. He also knows, too, that when it comes to negotiating for a new stadium or a renewed stadium lease, and by the way, after the end of this year, Panthers have, an, have a stadium lease that's done, they're going to want, you know, he's going to want to handle that negotiation. They may have, they may end up building a new stadium outside downtown Charlotte, although people love having the stadium there because there's a lot of amenities to it, even though the parking is a bit of a nightmare. Uh, point is that it's, you know, it's David Tepper's team now, but the league was really light on Jerry Richardson. I mean, $3 million fine to a, to, to a billionaire over all the stuff that he did. I mean, he ruined people's lives in that organization. He made them a living hell with the way that he treated folks. And $3 million is such a slap on the wrist. But do we expect the NFL to treat its owners the same as it would their players? Uh, no. What did you think? Uh, we kind of hit on this a little bit. I, I don't know if you remember hearing me talk about it, and I may have mentioned it to you. When the Nashville Predators came out and endorsed a mayoral candidate, I said it was an awful precedent. I said I didn't like the idea at all. Uh, my position is that Sports should be trying to appeal to everybody, regardless of your race, your religion, your political affiliation, your gender, your sex, all these different things, right? Your sexual orientation. Um, And so uh, when the Nashville Predators came out and endorsed a political candidate with their mascot in the mayoral race, I'd never seen that happen before. I said it was incredibly dumb. I didn't like it. Uh, We also just had a Supreme Court justice nominee announced last night. 
And then you probably saw this. The Arizona Cardinals tweeted out uh, that Bidwell, I'm not sure the first name, but I know Michael the family. Bidwell. Yeah, Michael Bidwell is uh, owns the team out in Arizona. And it was from the official Arizona Cardinals account saying that he went to high school with this guy, which is great, and that as a result, he was supporting him for uh, Supreme Court justice. Now, I don't have a problem at all with him doing that in his personal life. I thought it was bad form to tweet it from the Arizona Cardinals official Twitter account. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, listen, and there's this fine line, right? Now, is this going to cause anyone in, in, you know, that's an Arizona Cardinals football fan to call in and say, listen, I'm really concerned about the Supreme Court nominee, so <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to drop my season tickets, right? Yeah. And I mean, this one is, a, I get it, it's a judge, and a judge is, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, a judge is supposed to be, you know, impartial, right? I mean, they may have political slant in terms of how they view the, you know, the law. But this isn't necessarily a political endorsement, or is it, Clay? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I don't. I think it's a political endorsement because I'm look, look. The judges are political. This idea that they're entirely not political, like everybody makes a decision about how they're going to approach reading statutes, reading the Constitution, everything else. That's a choice, and therefore everything else comes from that. Now. I think that this guy is eminently qualified. I think he's a normal Republican justice, all those things, just like if Hillary Clinton had won and everything else. My position on it is allow the owner to have whatever opinion he wants, just like I think any player could have whatever opinion he wants or you or me or anybody else out there listening. I think using the Arizona Cardinals official Twitter account to endorse your owner's opinion of a Supreme Court justice is a bad move in my personal opinion. Yeah, I can I can understand where you're coming from. Just you know, listen, John Elway wrote a letter of support for Donald Trump on on Denver Broncos stationery. You know, I, yeah. I mean, and, and and was you know banging the drum that way. Now, you know, what's interesting is if you feel as an as an organization that a certain politician has your back when it comes to things. And I'm not familiar with the Nashville uh, political machine that that maybe you've you know that you know inside and out. But I can just tell you if they if you believe that they're going to you know help you get either a better stadium lease or a better building or something like that, then I can see why a franchise would do it. But I'm not saying that it's right. But you know, are we ever going to be able to get sports and politics? As separate as they seem to be before i don't think so you know i think social media has changed that i think that uh, the president has changed that i mean it just seems that colin kaepernick has changed that for better or for worse but you know it seems to have flooded into our sports now we you know anything that happens we talk about it ad nauseum with the national anthem i mean what should be the simplest thing of all you know is just paying you know taking 90 seconds out to pay respect to our country and, and it's become you know listen you can get into all that as well and do we really need to be doing this etc but even something as as rote as this was for all those years has now become politicized and it can become frustrating it can become maddening but the good thing is that there will not be any political advertisements on television as you watch your sports over the next two years oh wait i think there will be good stuff as always alex marvez going to be joined here by petros papadakis uh and uh, you can follow him at Petros and Money on Twitter. He is on AM 570 LA Sports. Yeah. Wow. Bang. Uh, in the uh, in the evening. Um, and uh, Petros, what'd you think about? Uh, yeah, I nailed it. What'd you think about LeBron signing his contract, still wearing his headset, and also having a Kobe shirt on? Uh, I, you know, it's kind of surreal at this point. I. I didn't know that he was in town. I thought he was in Italy or something. I know he's not doing a press conference, which is pretty remarkable for any athlete to to sign with the Lakers, the L.A. Lakers, one of the biggest franchises in the history of sport, and not do a press conference. But it just goes to show he's calling basically all the shots. And he could have worn a clown outfit, and there'd be a party here. Uh, what about the – how much attention did you give, if at all? We haven't spent much time on this, but uh, I, I imagine in L.A. it was a decent story. The vandalization of the uh, of the mural about LeBron James, right? There's an L.A. mural yeah, basically. Yeah, everybody talked about it, but it was just kind of a sort of a side happy story. It wasn't like a, hey, we better welcome this guy <laughs> yeah, or anything like that. The, the whole LeBron James thing is, is met with – I don't know, excitement, but also at the same time, kind of a shrug of the shoulders and a little bit of a, I don't know, it just feels a little contrived. Am I, am I way out there in saying that? The whole thing just feels a little, a little forced on everybody, but it's a huge deal. 
And the one thing I think people are really wrong about is how they're talking about how necessary it is for them to win championships. And I don't think that's what this move is at all. I think this is a move, of course, toward the Lakers being competitive again and going to the playoffs. They have the best player on the planet now. But I just think this is much more of a move toward likes and clicks and and events and Los Angeles and, and this guy being a global icon uh, connected to this city uh, year-round. I think that's what it's about, way more than it is about championships or hanging more banners because the Golden State Warriors. Do you think Kobe really wanted LeBron to come to the Lakers? No. Yeah. Well, maybe. I don't know. You know, my my weird thing about Kobe that nobody seems to, to embrace is he's going to come and take over – the presidency. Yeah, I like that 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 hypothesis of yours. Well, there's no way that Magic is long for this. Magic doesn't want. Magic is. I'm sure that he is a a, a fine president, and, and obviously he's done what he was hired to do, which is sign a big free agent. He signed the biggest free agent. So I'm not knocking him, but I don't think Magic's a guy who's going to travel around to to different summer league games and and really get down and dirty with this. There's been more than one article written about that. You know, he's a face man in many ways. He was for the Dodgers' ownership and purchase, and he does a great job at that. But why is Kobe's agent there? What is Rob Palenka doing as the GM? It's so Kobe can take over as president. And why would Kobe do a bunch of interviews when LeBron shows up? I mean, did did Michael Jordan do a bunch of interviews when the Bulls re-signed Derrick Rose or any? I mean, what... You know, why? I think he's positioning himself to, to become the, the president of the team. And I don't know why the Lakers would want to re-inherit that. They already have LeBron telling him what to do, which is better than Kobe telling him what to do, which is all of it way better than Lonzo Ball telling you what to do, which is what was <laughs> happening last year, which is a total circus. Which is actually worse than Lonzo. It was LeVar. Uh, which well, is even more ridiculous because uh, at least Alonzo is on the team. We're talking to Petros Papadakis. Follow him uh, at Petros and Money on uh, on Twitter. Um, this uh, this story coming out of Thailand. These uh, these kids that were trapped in the cave. If you're just waking up across the country, they've all I been thought. rescued. All twelve of them and the coach. You're very into the story. I'm unbelievably into the story. Everybody loves attention? the story where people are trapped. And, and there's human saved. ingenuity yes. and global concern to save those people. And obviously, there's all kinds of horror and strife and death that happens every minute in the world. And we can't control that. But when everybody can feel good about a, a kid being rescued, then I don't see the problem with that. Yeah, I don't want to go dark here, but I'll go dark. We're all going to die. Then why right? would you do like, it? Yeah, I well, because I, I mean that's what I do. But I, the dark side of life here is it ends in death. So far that I am aware of, there is no one who has ever been immortal. And uh, I don't believe in vampires. I don't believe that there is anybody who walks among us that is Benjamin buttoning the world. I don't think there's anybody who's overcome death. So anytime well, obviously you can, haven't been watching Westworld. Yeah, well, I, you know, don't give it away. I'm still like four episodes behind. Are you watching Westworld? No, I just watched the sex scenes. They're, they're not as good you know, as they used to be. No, you're uh, right. But Mr. Skin collects them all pretty well. Yeah. yeah. My radio yeah. partner would call him an aggregator. Aggregator. Yeah, that's very true. That's what he does. Aggregates boobs, um, which is not a bad job, honestly. So did uh, Hugh Hefner. Um, when, uh, rest, uh, rest in peace, speaking of dead. So anytime you have a story like this, I love like the, the positivity of it. I love uh, the way it ended. And again, it's been uh, all 13 of them, the 12 players and their coach now saved. So that's one big story that's going on. The other big story, obviously, the World Cup is currently taking place. I'm curious. Also a feel-good story because nobody's had a kidney removed or anything crazy like that in Russia. One reporter from the Independent got beat up and his cell phone got stolen, which may have happened anyway. And uh, another one guy, an unnamed British reporter, uh, according to the Russian news, TASS, T-A-S-S, an unnamed British reporter was drugged and uh, also robbed, but not raped or had an organ taken or bitten by a, a 
a uh, rabid Russian prostitute with bad teeth or any of the things we thought were going to happen to everybody uh, round the clock out in Russia. So it's been a really good World Cup for for Fox. I've really I know there are a lot of our colleagues, but uh, I've really enjoyed the coverage, and I think they've done a great job uh, diversifying it and making it more global because there's no U.S. to watch. And I think it's been a wild success. I've enjoyed it. And uh, I've enjoyed all the all the games, but most of all, uh, no Russian death or organ theft, which is great. It is very solid, given the fact that it's Russia and anything can happen. I love. Well, no Russia. one wants Rob Stone to come back from uh, <laughs> from from Russia without a spleen, you know. Can you imagine if Rob Stone got a little loose at the EDM club? Doesn't mean Rob Stone <laughs> should lose a spleen. <laughs> If Stone got kidnapped by some Russian gangsters and they weren't allowing him to come on and do uh, the show, or Alexi Lawless, uh, either one, uh, those guys could, have done a good job. All he had to do was start talking to him about the MLS, and I'm sure they'd let him go immediately. <laughs> He's an MLS all-star. Uh, we're talking to Petros Papadakis at Petros and Money. Is it Petros and Money show, or is it at Petros and Money on Twitter? Uh, at Petros and Money on Twitter, and I also have a, a, a private Twitter that has no blue check. Oh, who wow. the hell am I? And uh, that is uh, that is at is that at the old P? Yeah, that one. Yeah. All right. So you can find him there. Um, so I got a great question for you. So I saw this story and I thought this is the ultimate dad story. All right. There is a place called Gatorland, and this is a little bit of Animal Thunderdome that we're mixing in with Petros Papadegas here. They what have a. Have? They have a. It's it's a it's a it's a uh, in in the I think like Orlando area. I what think it, it might like be Ocala. Tebow? and that rainy guy uh, and Demps no, and Furrier. No, yeah, that would be great if it were a Florida Gatorland. No, this is like Gator. I've been to Gatorland. It's basically a huge gator farm. All right, there are alligators everywhere in well, the Orlando Leak area. take the tickets? Uh, Chris Leak, I think, yes. Chris Leak does take up all the tickets as you enter. Uh, they have a zip line. The zip line goes across the alligator pit like 40 feet above it. All right? Oh, God. Okay, so you can see where I'm going here. A dad with what appears to be around his two-year-old son or daughter decides to get on the zip line, all right? The zip line gets stuck directly above the alligator pit for a half hour. But I'm sure he was properly harnessed. He did not fall in. Yeah, look, I'm sure that the, the zip line over the alligator pit is a little bit more fortified than the zip line over the lake or the creek or anything else. Do I you, mean, obviously it's you... frightening, and nobody would want to see a father and son eaten <laughs> in a feeding frenzy after dropping from a zip line at an amusement park. It would be just like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom at the end where they're climbing up the side of that cliff and they keep throwing everybody mm-hmm. back. Ma Ram or whatever that guy's name is. I mean, nothing is worse if you can really think about it. And I don't want to go dark here either, but I will. Nothing is worse than going to an amusement park and not surviving. Yeah, that's a tough, the tough for Like every now and then, somebody gets decapitated on like a, a roller coaster yeah. ride. You know, like it happens. And that's why I, I tend to avoid those things. But so can you? So when I see this video, and there's video of the dad, and I think it's a, I can't tell if it's a son or daughter because like I think a it's a boy. I saw the story. Okay, so can you imagine being the dad when you know your wife is waiting off the side, right? And there's a hundred percent chance that the well, wife. Well, you said, don't know if there was an argument before. I mean, look, they're already at Gatorland. You know, we're yeah. not necessarily talking. There is about a hundred percent chance that the wife or the ex-wife or the mother of this baby was saying to this dad, I don't think you need to go on the zip line with the two-year-old. I, get, I, I, I don't need to know everything about this relationship to know get that on. the mom was saying, I don't think it's a good idea to go on the zip line with our two-year-old over the alligator pit. Why don't and you the take dad, the extra step? Do I have to produce your show for you? Probably. And just get the freaking guy on. Oh, I would love to. I would love to track this guy down. The arm or leg bitten off, you know, the next time somebody survives some horrific gorilla attack, Get him on. Yeah, we tried. Get the guy it, on. Ask we, him what happened. Get his wife on. You're Clay Travis. Get him on. 
I don't think that, that there's no doubt about that, but I don't think there's any doubt that the wife is opposed to this. Well, and this you, is not... At, you're asking a question I can't answer. No, I you don't can't. Know if he has, why is he at no. Gatorland with a two-year-old? That's like <laughs> bringing a Skittle to Marshawn Lynch's house. <laughs> That's why a great would you do line. that? You, but you are a married man. Yeah, I wouldn't go to Gatorland. I don't even leave my house. I I pride myself on on counting the the, the le- least amount of times I could leave the house during the weekend. Why in God's name would I go to a place called Gatorland? You, you and I are somewhat Florida Gators or real Gators. You and I are somewhat similar in that respect. The older I get, the less I want to do anything. Um, I come into the house, I take my pants off, and I'm very happy. Like a, to me, an incredible day is when I barely have to leave the house for the rest of the day. Now, I think partly that factors in with waking up at 4.15. You're up early on the West Coast, too. you got a full day. Yeah, I wonder why. Thank you, by the way. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying there's not a man alive who has not found himself dangling over that alligator pit with his two-year-old that wouldn't be thinking, one, I hope we don't get eaten by the alligators and fall into the alligator pit. Two, I'm not sure what's going to actually be tougher surviving and having to go face my wife after me and the two-year-old had been dangling over the alligator pit for 30 minutes after she said you really don't need to go on the zip line with the baby and now uh or dying you don't Uh, know what she said i guarantee you that that poor that poor man has been uh ravaged but also probably a bad decision for the dad to decide to take the two-year-old on the zip line well well, can we talk about gatorland and why they let you put a two-year-old on a zip line that is also an intriguing question. And also, will that two-year-old ever recover? Will he what? Recover. He doesn't even remember. Oh, the two-year-old. If you take a two-year-old and he gets stuck over an alligator pit. I was attacked by an owl in a Greek church when I was five years old in the Peloponnesus <laughs> by the way, in rural, That should be uh, the opening to your autobiography. I was five years old, and I'm never going to get over it. I got bit by a German shepherd. I'm never going to get over it. Yeah. Uh, On the same trip, I was lowered into a well by a guy that spoke with one of those, uh, like, looks like an electric razor on his neck, like, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Why why were you lowered into the well? I have no idea. He was my relative. Krondos was his name. He's still alive out there with his thing on his neck. Like a bucket? Were you in a bucket? How'd you get down? No, rope. You were hanging on to the rope? Uh, under my shoulders, like a loop. How long were you in the in the well? I don't know. I think you wanted to show me how deep it went. That's one of the most unbelievable stories I've ever heard. I was pretty upset. I'm not over that trip. That's <laughs> why I don't your, camp. I don't go where outside. Was your, I don't where was your eat. mom? Probably screaming in English at a guy that didn't speak it right next to him. Wow. That yeah. is an unbelievable story. Yeah, my dad thought we needed uh, to be like properly greeked when i was a kid and he'd send us out there without him in the summers with my my mother who's a white woman from arcadia (laughs) and uh we we, there were some hard times but none harder than being attacked by an owl and lowered into the well i relate with the two-year-old i'm just saying two's a little young to remember the the dangling gator bait thing yeah that's an unbelievable story for uh for on so many different levels here um Last question for you. I know that you love my interest in music. I yep, am going to taste. yes. I'm going to an Imagine Dragons concert tonight. Your mm. thoughts? I mean, whatever. I, I'm becoming softer in my older age about judging everybody. Although I'm still extremely judgmental, but every once in a while in my yoga class, they play one of those uh, Imagine Dragon songs. And it's better than when they play Alanis Morissette. That's true. Magic Dragon's not bad. Uh, but are Petros you going to be there, like, pumping your white arm, going, Ring! Well, first of all, because I've spent so much time at the beach, I would say it's much more of a tanned kind of uh, olive complexion that I'm rocking right now. Uh, secondly, I am going with my wife and my seven-year-old. This is the first concert that my seven-year-old will have ever been to. He's a big Imagine Dragons fan. May so, I make uh, a suggestion? The, yes. I mean, you live in a concert town, so I'm sure you know this. Earplugs for the yeah, boy. You know, I am the the, I, the older I get, also like the louder these concerts become. I, I'm all in on the earplugs. Yeah, you don't have to go full Drew Brees at the Super Bowl, but yeah, 
some earplugs would be would would be uh, advantageous for the boy. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent true. That's. The I mean, plan. I'm not saying you're dangling him over a gator pit, but yes. Uh, Petros Papadakis, I appreciate you waking up with us. Outstanding as always. Yeah, just think about how bad that band name is. By the way, I think it's actually a good band name. Ima- no, no, just the name. Imagine Dragons. That's got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I love the idea. Like, let's That's imagine almost dragons. as dumb as Hope Floats. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshot to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.